All right, everybody. Welcome to Wednesday night service. We are going to get started on this nice, cold, almost winter time evening. Amen. Who's loving this weather, man? Yeah, love it. We are getting into the most wonderful time of the year, and uh, I'm just so excited. You'll see we've got a lot of announcements here in just a few minutes. Uh, it is a busy, busy month of December starting tomorrow, so I want to make sure that everybody gets filled in on that and uh, gets to be involved as much as they want to, uh, because there is absolutely no reason to be lonely this December when you've got the HDWC family. I'm telling you that right now. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep declaring that we will see this nation come to Jesus. Amen. Let's say this. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, give Jesus some praise this evening. And you may be seated. Okay, let's get into our announcements here. Uh, my goodness, we've got a lot going on, so I'll try to cover all this. Um, first of all, we want to thank everybody that helped out with the Operation Christmas Child uh, uh, gift that we did. Uh, we were able to give 50 gift boxes uh, to the Samaritan's Purse. Amen which uh, Franklin Graham, Billy Graham's son, runs the organization. And so they're shipping those 50 boxes out all over the world, and that's awesome. And uh, since the people of HDWC are so wonderful and generous, we're going to give one more opportunity to bless children in need. Who thinks that sounds awesome, man? So I'm really happy about this. Uh, the Greater Hope Foundation here locally in Barstow has asked us if we could also collect some toys for them. And uh, right in front of the info booth there, we have, uh, they gave us a great big box uh, to put toys in. And so uh, if, you know, if, if the Lord leads you or if you're uh, able to, uh, if you could bring in um, some toys uh, and put them in the box there, uh, that would be great. Uh, the last day to uh, bring in toys is Sunday, December 11th, because they're going to collect them on Monday the 12th. And we know this is kind of last minute, but I'm like, hey, there's always time to bless little kids, isn't there? Amen. Because God's been good to us. All right. So uh, men's meeting is this Saturday the third. Where are my men at? You going to be there, men? Yes, yes, you are. All right. So we're going to have an awesome time Saturday, 9 a.m., breakfast, Bibles, bros, and uh, it's going to be great. So be out there. I'll be teaching the word for this one, and it's going to be a really great time. All right. And then, uh, ladies, this Saturday, uh, the girls are going to girls' night out at the Rock Church in San Bernardino. And uh, if you want to get involved on that, you can go to rockchurch.com. They've got some links on there. But you got to get a ticket to get into the event. And from what I hear, it is well worth it. They always have an awesome time. If you want to carpool with some of the ladies, just talk amongst yourselves, okay, and figure that out because I don't know what to tell you on that. But uh, talk to some other girls and figure out a ride, all right? Very good. Uh, servant leadership is going to be uh, Thursday the 8th, which is the uh, second Thursday of the month instead of the third, but we're doing that because the schedule is just so busy. Now, uh, 
We're going to be doing a little pitch in dinner Christmas party on that night. So, uh, and we'll also do some, uh, you know, encouraging and all that fun stuff. But, uh, come on out that night if you are serving in the church and, uh, and of course if you're just interested in getting more involved or helping us out with stuff. But that's going to be a really fun night. Uh, kind of a night to just thank you for your, uh, heart for the church and your, your, your leadership and your service. And we want to thank you for that. All right. And uh, the women's meeting will be on Friday, December 9th. Uh, Mrs. Pastor will be here that night. She'll be back, and she's teaching it. It's going to be a nice Christmas-themed night. She told me to let you know that the menu will be some salad, uh, bring a casserole, and some dessert. So, ladies, do your thing. It's going to be really fun. Uh, water baptisms are coming up. Who's excited about water baptism? All right, we got six people signed up so far. It's going to be a good day. Uh, that's going to be on Sunday, the 11th, right at the end of the 10 a.m. service. So get signed up, and uh, they'll contact you. Uh, Heather will contact you before that day and give you the information on that. But we're really excited, and we keep telling you, uh, we've got one of our great online members from Virginia flying in that night. I can see she's watching right now, so hello, Cookie. We love you. You're going to have a great time with us. All right, uh, Young Adults is going to be on Thursday, the 15th at 7 p.m. And uh, Laura Cook is going to be ministering to the young adults that night. Her and her band will be here. And uh, so young adults, make sure you're here for that night. It's going to be super fun. You're going to love Laura. And and uh, the next night is uh, going to be the Christmas concert with Laura and her band. They're coming all the way in from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I think this is their first time uh, playing out in California, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we may be the very first California church that they've played at, so I'm really excited. But they're going to do a full uh, Christmas concert that night. It is free, so invite we invite friends, family, and it's, they do a remarkable job. She was the worship leader at Oral Roberts University uh, for many years, and uh, her band is just incredible. Uh, so please mark that on your calendar. It's going to be a very special, special evening. All right? And then uh, the church Christmas service, it is what our, basically our biggest day of the whole year, is going to be on Sunday, December the 18th. And... Um, so parents, that's the day that the kids are doing their Christmas play. If you want your kids to be a part of the Christmas performance, um, you know, make sure that they're here during services because that's when they're practicing and getting the information. Uh, so uh, the kids are doing their Christmas performance. We are having Christmas dinner, so let's get this passed out. Uh, I know that we just had a great big dinner uh, a week and a half ago, but let's do it again because who's got room for more food? Yeah. All right. So let's do this. Um, and by the way, did you see this shirt I'm wearing? I don't like to brag on my clothes, but that's pretty nice, isn't it? Now check it out. Some church members bought this. Don't, are you zooming in? Hold on. Okay. So, uh, yeah, they, they gave me this, uh, what, what are they? they're sloths celebrating Christmas. So yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, I felt really felt a good vibe out of this thing. So I thought I'd wear it tonight. Um, but the Christmas service, there is a gift for every child that will be there. We want to bless the kids. So, uh, I mean, again, invite people, invite family and friends, bring their kids. We're going to have a gift for them. And it is just an absolutely wonderful, wonderful day. And I also want to let you know, that we will be having service on Christmas Day. Uh, it falls on a Sunday this year. And I always laugh at it, but people are like, are we going to have church on Christmas? And I'm like, of all days of the year, come on. It's the man's birthday. You don't cancel it, my goodness. So, 
All right. So, yes, we will have service on Sunday, the 25th. It will be kind of a brief service. It will be about an hour long, and there won't be any night service that night. But anyway, we will definitely have church that day. And we understand if you're out of town with family and stuff, but we will be here. All right? Very good. Well, who knows what time it is now? Yeah. It's happy time, and if you need an envelope, go ahead and raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. We are going to open up our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Amen. And we're going to be talking about giving right here. This verse is more referring to the giving of offerings. Now, we understand scripturally there is uh, tithes. And there are offerings, two separate things. But Second Corinthians 8, I really, really love uh, what's going on right here. The Apostle Paul is collecting an offering for the church in Jerusalem. And he's going to several different churches. Everywhere he stops, they are collecting uh, to help out their fellow church in Jerusalem. Now, there's something interesting here uh, about, about this specific church. So Second Corinthians 8 and verse 1, I'm in the NLT. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Now they're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. But check this out. For they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. So that tells us right there that joy doesn't come from having a bunch of money because these guys were straight up poor, but they were just filled with joy. And check it out, they overflowed in rich generosity. I was looking at some statistics last week because, hey, that's what I do. And it's very interesting that the, the, the people that make the less money, the least amount of money as Christians, are the ones that give the highest percentage of their income to the church and to the ministry. I'm not specifically speaking of our church. I'm talking about across the United States. But people that make, you know, less than 50000 per se, they give the highest amount. And then people that make hundreds of thousands of a year give the lowest percentage-wise. And so it's always been very interesting to me. But anyway, uh, look at verse 3. He says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. These were people of sacrifice. These were people that knew uh, God's promise and they wanted to give and check it out and they did it of their own free will Uh, Paul didn't have to come in and twist their arm and make them feel guilty they gave because they wanted to verse 4 is the kicker this is what I really want to get at he says they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem they considered giving in the offering a privilege and some people are like well we you know let's not go to the to the christians of macedonia they don't have much right now let's not include them in this offering but they said no please let us be a part of this offering it's a privilege to give in to the things of god i'm telling you right now i know that god blessed these people and brought them through isn't that an incredible attitude to have towards giving i mean Thank you, Jesus. I love people like that. All right. Well, let's go ahead and stand up together. We're going to speak some words of faith over our tithes and our offerings. Amen. And uh, as we do this, we always want to do everything by faith. And uh, that's why we speak faith even over our tithes and our offerings. Amen. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, 
settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's go. Feel free to join us up front tonight for worship. And I'm singing by myself tonight with the band, so I want you all to sing as loud as you can. It's a real easy song. Let's sing it. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Let's sing that. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house, your place. Our praise becomes your house. Your face, oh God. You sing. Now we sing a song and you come in. With a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise and you come in. Sing a song and you come in. Make a dance and you come in. Shout your name and you come in. Give you praise. You
the praises of your people. Sing that. You inhabit the praises of your people. You inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, you inhabit the praises of your people. Our praise, our praise becomes your house, your place. together. Let's sing holy. Holy, holy. 
Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Let's sing that again. Holy, 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 Jesus, I love you. That's the cry of our heart tonight. We do. We just want to be near you, Lord. We we want to be in your presence. We want your presence to be in our lives, Father. We want to be closer and closer to you and, Lord, further and further away uh, from the things of this world. And I pray you hear our hearts cry tonight, Jesus, as uh, we're drawing closer to you. Speak to us, Lord. And we thank you that, that we will receive uh, what you're saying, Lord. We will receive your word. We love you, and we lift you high this evening. Have your way in this service and in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give the Lord some praise together this evening. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Amen. Well, you can be seated. Amen. We're going to get into the word this evening. Amen. Yeah, all right. Well, Norma's excited for the word. I like that. Yeah. Uh, praise God. So what we're doing is tonight is going to be the 10th uh, point of uh, our 10 skills every Christian needs. Really, it's part six of the series. And uh, we've had to do some on Sunday mornings, some on Wednesday nights. And tonight is going to be uh, the 10th and final point that we're talking about. Now, obviously, uh, we realize that there are more than 10 skills you can acquire in the Christian life and, and probably more than 10 things that we need to work on. But these are just 10 that we've discussed for this round. And I'm sure that 
that in future times we will even add to this list. Now, if you'll look up here, I don't know if you can see it very well or not, but uh, what we've got is I, I went ahead and put everything that we've looked at so far on the screen so you can kind of uh, get a little bit of a recap or a review, and we'll give you a chance to look at those. But but the, the nine things that we've seen so far are we looked at, one, how to control your mouth, two, how to speak to the mountains in your life, Three, how to encourage other people. And then the fourth thing was how to encourage yourself. You remember that, that, hey, you got to encourage others, but you also need to develop the skill like King David did of being able to encourage yourself because sometimes nobody else is going to do it. All right. And then uh, five, we looked at how to sacrifice. That was a fun one. It got real quiet in here when I talked about that. And then six was how to be thankful. Seven was last Wednesday night. We looked at how to study the word. That was a very practical teaching. And then uh, how to be still was number eight. And by be still, we're referring to what uh, they were instructed in the Psalms to be still and know that I am God. And we talked about the importance of having some times of solitude and shutting everything else out. And then on Sunday, we looked at number nine. That was how to pray consistently. Not just when you're in a real jam and you just you've exhausted all other options. So I guess we'll pray to give God a shot at this. We're talking about how to pray consistently, and then tonight we're going to get into the tenth and final thing we're going to discuss. Like I said, for this round, and this is also going to be a fun one. And this is how to receive correction. Yeah, it's a good one. And so how to receive correction or uh, maybe your scripture would say discipline or, uh, oh, the King James says chastise. Uh, you know, the Lord will chastise those he loves. So, I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, I like those old King James words. They just they're hard hitting. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, we're going to talk about how to receive correction. Now, I'll tell you this. If we're going to go to the next level in any endeavor in life, we need people to correct and discipline us and show us when we're doing something the wrong way. Now, if I'm doing something wrong, I want to know that so I don't hurt myself later on. Maybe you've got a job like uh, welding like Chuck does or Michael's doing all this construction. Like, hey, if I'm doing something that's going to end up shooting wood chips into my eyes or sparks from welding or, or something like that, Tell me. I need to know right now so I can correct this and I can get better at what I'm trying to get better at. And the people that go really far in life or in, you know, whatever endeavor we're discussing are people who don't get offended and quit when the coach tells them that they're wrong about something. Now, when I played high school basketball, the coach wasn't afraid to tell me if I was doing something wrong. And I didn't quit the team when he did. I was like, okay, I'm going to work on that. I knew that he knows a lot more than I do. In fact, my uh, the junior varsity coach of our school, he had got drafted by the Boston Celtics. And this guy was like in his 40s. And I, well, maybe, I don't know. I was 17. He looked super old. But he was probably, probably in his 40s. But to me, he looked like he was 100 or something. But anyway, um, yeah, so, but this guy, he knew every trick in the book. And he could crack your spine by setting a pick and you're like oh my gosh he was a beast but anyway i listened when the man talked he had been places that i never even dreamed of going in the basketball world 
And so one thing I know when we're talking about correction is some people are very sincere. They don't have a bad heart. They're sincere. They're just sincerely wrong. And I heard Billy Graham tell this story one time. He said, one time I saw a man, uh, he said, I saw a man recover the foot, a fumble on the one yard line and run 99 yards for a touchdown, but he ran in the wrong direction. He ran and scored for the other team, basically. And, and he's like, this guy, he was the most sincere guy you've ever seen in your life. He was just sincerely really, really wrong. And uh, this was actually in, like, the Rose Bowl game back in the 40s or 50s or something super long ago. But, but you know, that wasn't a bad guy. He just made a bad mistake, and people were trying to say, no, no, stop, turn around. And he didn't want to listen. He was just zoned in, and he made, a, you know, a fool of himself. So I was thinking back to my earlier years, and, and one thing that I noticed right away when I entered the workforce is that everybody wanted to be the boss, you know, at least where I worked. Everybody, when they thought they could do a better job than the boss, until they realized that the responsibilities increase when you're the boss. Anybody, maybe you're the boss, you've been the boss, and you thought it would be really cool to be the boss, and you're like, wait a minute, uh... I'm responsible for all this now, you know, and also when you're the boss, when you go higher to a new level, the standards are higher for you when you become the boss or when you uh, advance in life. Now, I also noticed, you know, in my brilliance of my youth that my bosses had bosses that were not afraid to correct them on things. And and so the, the higher up you go in life, the more you grow the more accountable you are and the more you're going to be corrected. And I know like when I was a kid, I'm like, you know, man, I'll be the boss. Then no one can correct me. Like, no, 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 you get even more so. <laughs> yeah, it's even harder the higher up you go. And so uh, a man that I love, Gerald Brooks, pastor in Plano, Texas, um, you know, he said that if you're ever interested in being a leader, just know that the greater the consequences are, the higher the standards are that are required of you. The greater the con- if I'm going to put you in charge of, you know, uh, a $100 company, then, you know, the consequences aren't that high if you just blow the whole thing. Like, I want you to do a good job, but, you know, the standards don't have to be, like, that high. But if I'm going to put you in charge of a, you know, a, a billion-dollar company, I'm going to have very high standards for you. And you know what I mean? You do what I'm saying here. I'm going to correct you if you're doing something wrong because when you're in charge of a whole bunch of stuff, Your decisions and your actions can affect and hurt a whole lot of people. And so you better be ready to get coached and corrected and disciplined because, hey, with great responsibility comes a a, a whole lot of uh, discipline, correction, and, uh, and, you know, discipline is what I'm getting at here, okay? And so I'm encouraging us tonight about skills that every Christian needs because I know I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd. You are people that want to grow in your faith. Am I right? Did I get the right group? Yeah. Okay. And so I understand that you're not people that just want to stay at the level you're at. You want to go to a higher level in your faith. You want to grow and be a better Christian and a massive uh, thing that we have to get a hold of if we want to grow is getting good at receiving correction. And so we're going to look at a few things here tonight in this regard. And I, I pray that you'll listen and that you'll receive what the Lord is saying to you. All right, let's go ahead and we're going to pray over the word and we will get into this. 
Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you for everything that we've seen so far in this series over the last several weeks. And God, I pray tonight that we would really have open hearts to listen to what you're telling us. And we we understand, Lord, that if we're going to grow, that sometimes we get pruned. Sometimes we have to cut some things off and to receive some discipline and correction. And so I pray that we will uh, have our hearts tuned into that. And Lord, we are ready to grow in our faith and we are ready to get stronger in our Christian walk. We love you and we praise your name tonight. In Jesus' name, can we get an amen? All right, so a few things regarding correction. Uh, Number one is this, God corrects us because he loves us, right? God corrects us because he loves us. And uh, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3. Let's go over there, Proverbs 3, amen. Now, nobody really enjoys discipline and correction. They may say they do, and you do in hindsight, but at the moment, I've not met anybody that enjoys being told they're wrong. I don't enjoy it, uh, but I know that the Lord will speak the truth to me. And if I'm wrong, uh, hey, I got two options. I can correct it and grow, or I can, uh, you know, ignore it and not grow. So Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 11 and 12. Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12. And this is absolute truth from God's word. It says, my child... Don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. Think about that. Verse 12, for the Lord corrects those that he hates and just wants to pick on. God wants to be a bully, so he's going to correct. No, the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. So when the Lord's correcting us and disciplining us and, and, uh, and, and, and he's helping us to be better because he loves us. And we know that no loving parent lets their kid get by with everything, right? You, you, you want to correct them, not because you enjoy being mean. Well, I mean, maybe you do, but I don't enjoy being mean. The reason that I correct them is because I love them and I don't want them to grow up and be a doofus. Thank you. Yeah, right? And God doesn't want you to grow up and be a spiritual doofus. And so he's going to correct you and be like, hey, you can't do that anymore. You're going to need to stop that. Now, I know and you know that there's some stuff in your life that God may have let slide for a little while when you first got saved. But the more that you grow and the further you go in your Christian walk, he's going to correct you so you can be a mature, productive adult in Christ. Now, we hold adults to a higher standard, don't we? There are some things that we let children get by with that adults cannot get by with because uh, they are held to a higher standard. More is required of them. Now, as we grow in our Christian walk and as we advance and, 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 and move forward, uh, you should be held to a higher standard than you used to be. And so, you know, if the Lord's correcting you, like, gee, what's the big deal? I, I always did this before. And God's like, yeah, I'm going to need you to quit saying those words now, okay? You've been in this for a little while. It's time to clean up your mouth. And I'm not just talking about curse words. What about words of doubt and unbelief? Oh, oh, yeah. I was listening to Kenneth Hagin the other day. He said, I'd rather have dope dealers in my church than doubt dealers. I was like, whoa. (laughs) And he said, the reason is the dope dealer, you know, if they're not going to straighten up, then, hey, everyone agrees we should kick them out. 
But doubt peddlers, you know, they just blend right in and everybody just, you know, starts believing their junk. But check it out. No, uh, there are things that maybe when you were a year or two old in the Lord, you know, speak some doubt and unbelief and and some negativity. But a few years into this thing, you know, God's going to say, hey, clean up your mouth and quit talking like that. It's time to start, you know, trusting me and and believing my word. And so, yes, the more you grow uh, and, and, and the older you get in the Lord, you should be held to a higher standard. I'm glad that God holds me to a higher standard than, than you know, when I was 10 years old, when I was 15, 16 years old. I'm glad that he holds me to a higher standard because that means I can be trusted with more. Now, I think of the story about Noah. You know, I was reading that just the other day, and, uh, you know, God loved these people. Some people look at, at this story as, you know, the perfect example of God's judgment. And, yes, we saw God's judgment on full display in the story of Noah in the book of Genesis. But I also see the extreme lengths of God's love where he gave people years and years and years to get their act together. I often hear people, they erroneously quote that it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. doesn't say that. But by our best estimate, it took him at least 70 years to build the ark. And so we had, I mean, a period of, of at least 70 years where these people were talking trash and making fun of Noah. And Noah, he says he was a preacher of righteousness. God gave these fools 70 years to get it together and they wouldn't do it he provided a boat he provided a way out of all of it because god is love yes there is the judgment of god and i believe in it still but i know that that's not his first go-to god's first go-to is love and forgiveness and he wants to give people the best chance that he can so he offers them the gift of correction and discipline he will tell you you're wrong you better quit it or it's going to cost you now a fool the book of proverbs says despises correction fools despise it but the wise welcome it think about that now, again, uh, nobody enjoys discipline at the moment. The Bible also tells us that. Nobody enjoys it at the time. But when we receive discipline and, and we get skillful at receiving this from the Lord and applying it to our life, this is a skill. When you, when you get good at that, you can grow big time, huge in your faith and, and in what the Lord can do for you. Amen. And so well, I want to get on to number two here. And, and it's this, number two, when God corrects us, it's so we can be more productive. When God corrects us, it's so we can be more productive. And I've got one major goal in life, and that is to be productive for Jesus. I want God to use me to help other people. 